Sarah Nelms was a confident woman. From her physical strength to her calloused hands that she earned from working as a milkmaid, there was little she couldn't do, including, but not limited to, ending a 3,000-year-old global pandemic. As a milkmaid, Sarah obviously interacted with cows daily, and unfortunately, back in the 1700s, that led to contracting cowpox. Primarily suffering from a sore throat and fever, it wasn't a particularly serious disease. But it did have one symptom, which proved more impactful than any other. After looking at her fellow milkmaids and farmhands, she figured out that she couldn't get smallpox. In a time when smallpox was decimating the global population with a 30% mortality rate, cowpox gave her the self-assurance to boast that she'd never contract it. She'd never have spot scars on her face, and she could live life with less caution than people of higher social standings, which must have been a nice feeling. One of the people she bragged to was Edward Jenner, a local physician in Berkeley, England, with a serendipitous overlap in specialties, surgery and zoology, making him the perfect person to understand her unique story of cows and death avoidance. Unsatisfied with the current state of smallpox protection, which consisted of exposure to smallpox through a variety of methods, including blowing healed scabs of poxes into people's noses, Edward figured there had to be a better, and frankly less disgusting, way to do it. He had a hypothesis that if he gave people the less catastrophic cowpox, he could potentially save them from contracting the much more dangerous smallpox. However, the way he went about it was, by modern standards, ethically ambiguous at best. His first test subject was the eight-year-old son of his gardener, a boy by the name of James. He slashed four cuts into little James's arm and put one of Sarah's cowpox into the open cuts. James was sick for a few days and then recovered quickly. A couple months later, Edward repeated the process, slicing the boy's arm and putting in a pox, this time though, with smallpox. To everyone's relief, especially James and the gardener, he was unaffected and seemingly immune. On that day in 1796, vaccinations were born. In fact, this experience with cowpox gave us the word for vaccination. The root of the word vaccination comes from the Latin word for cow, vacca. As word spread of the first academic implementation of the vaccination process, the medical community and the general public were skeptical. Many were hesitant to put an animal product in their bloodstream for religious reasons. And as vaccines began to be mandated, many chafed at the perceived government imposition. And I have to imagine that some were just grossed out. To be fair, the customer experience of scraping a cow disease into an open wound in your arm isn't the most appealing. Of course, we can hear echoes of this in the pandemic that we're currently struggling with. But it isn't just in regards to diseases that we need people to make better choices. Across time, geography, and industries, CX leaders have found an unfortunate rule. It's easy to get people to do things that are bad for them, and difficult to get them to do things that are good for them. So roll up your sleeve on your non-dominant arm, because today we're exploring how to create engaging customer experiences that also benefit customers. Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is all about how to create a user experience that isn't just easy to use, but is actually good for you. We explored through the lens of Edward Jenner developing the smallpox vaccine and how you can continue that legacy today. In this episode, we'll hear from Varun Krishna, Senior Vice President and Head of Consumer Finance at Mint 
about how they're getting customers to reevaluate their spending trends and push back against predatory banking systems. Often Imitated is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Learn more at oracle.com slash CX. Edward Jenner quickly became a household name. As news of the smallpox vaccine spread around the world, sometimes his name got lost in translation. However, one person who did revere him was Napoleon. He ensured his entire army was vaccinated and respected Edward so much that when the physician requested some English prisoners to be released, Napoleon obliged. Taking on a worldwide pandemic and the notorious Napoleon Bonaparte, it was all in a day's work for Dr. Jenner. Edward saved millions upon millions of lives. Unfortunately, as news spread slowly and arm-to-arm open-wound vaccinations spread even slower, over 300 million people still died of smallpox during the 19th century. But as delivery mechanisms for vaccines improved, from a slash of the skin to a shot in the arm, the experience also improved markedly. Vaccinations became more widespread, and smallpox was effectively eradicated in 1980. As we have seen, convincing people to receive even life-saving treatment can be difficult. What about customer experience executives who are trying to help their customers in much more small and subtle ways? To find a good example, we talked to Varun Krishna, the senior vice president and head of consumer finance at Mint. He might not be saving lives, but at Mint and Intuit, Varun is helping people improve their financial health. Intuit's DNA is in financial products for both consumers as well as small businesses. Most people know Intuit because of two big products, TurboTax, as well as QuickBooks. And QuickBooks is a very popular small accounting, bookkeeping, and end-to-end business management solution. And TurboTax is something that many households today use to file their taxes every year. And so those are the two big products that Intuit is known for. Our mission is really focused around powering prosperity. We've started more recently to focus on personal finance as well. And we have another offering um, called Mint, which is a very popular personal finance tool that I get to work on every day. And that's really focused on a new um, vision and strategy where the company is looking to learn from everything that we've seen in our accounting DNA to start to think about how can we create more prosperity for people. And that's really our mission is to power prosperity around the world. Uh, We're in the business of helping people with money, helping them with financial challenges, um, helping them run their businesses more efficiently and grow and acquire customers. And we're excited about that mission. There's a lot of opportunity and pain out there in the broader space, and we're excited to go after it. If you haven't used Mint, I encourage you to download it, check it out. It's completely free. And what Mint is, it's a product that basically millions of people use to track all aspects of their finances. So as you sign up for Mint, you basically connect your accounts, and then it connects to those accounts and it organizes a picture of your entire financial life in one app. So you don't have to log into your bank account, your investments account, your retirement account, your credit card accounts. It aggregates all of that in one place. And then it helps you basically, one, have a holistic view of your picture and then get actionable advice on how to actually improve that picture, how to grow your net worth and things like that. So the product is super simple. You can download the app on iOS or Android, sign up, you add your accounts, and that's basically it. It kind of runs 
for you. Unfortunately, financial health is a huge issue. As Varun explained to us, the first step to solving a serious problem like this is understanding it. And he and the team at Intuit have gone to great lengths to understand the depth and complexity of debt and spending issues that affect consumers. You know, at a high level, as we looked at all of our data, we realized there's three big problems. The first one really has to do with debt. People are just in the wrong kinds of high cost, high interest debt, mortgage, student loans, personal loans. These are things that are very deep, very multi-year credit cards. And the cost of defaulting on that debt is exorbitant and it becomes a never ending cycle. Savings is another big problem. You just don't have enough cash in your bank account to cover day-to-day things or unexpected things. Your pet gets sick and you face an unexpected hospital bill. This kind of thing happens a lot. And then the last problem really has to do with something that people actually can control, which is their own habits when it comes to money. And this is a really interesting problem that we think not a lot of people are doing anything about. There aren't a lot of products out there that really focus on this. How do you, how can you spend less? How can you spend smarter? And part of the problem is that people have huge cognitive biases when it comes to their relationship with money. And it, and it manifests in things like things that you need versus things that you want. We live in a culture where splurging and excess is in front of you every single day. And all you have to do is open up Instagram feed and you'll see that. And so it, we're kind of wired to want to spend money and it's habitual. It's a really hard problem. And this is an area that we think Mint very specifically can really help make a difference. And a big part of our evolution of the Mint customer experience and the product strategy is really trying to focus on this problem of helping people with their habits and in particular around spending habits. Edward Jenner is the father of immunology because he created the basic vaccine. But as we have seen, it took a long time for that vaccine to catch on. As Varun explained to us, It isn't just enough for a product to be useful. Other ingredients are necessary to create a customer experience that will catch on and improve lives. The fundamental way that I look at product, and this is whether it's financial products that are designed for improvement all the way to engagement products or even entertainment. I think at the core of any good product is basically three fundamental things. It's useful, it's usable, and it's desirable. And I think that the, the, the best products of our time, I feel like they really understand how to deliver all of three of these things in a singular sort of connected holistic experience. So usefulness for me is a function of just does the product tangibly do something for you, right? Does it simplify a task? Does it make things faster? Does it help you discover something that might not have otherwise been on your radar? Does it leverage your data to figure out an opportunity and present you with that opportunity? So does the product actually give you something of use, of value? Usefulness is the baseline of your product. It needs to be specific and targeted. Vaccines are an example of this. Specifically focused on one disease at a time, they offer the chance for people to do the simple task of walking to their local drugstore or doctor's office to get what they need and save their life. Financial literacy is a key part of everyone's life. And unfortunately, it can be a hard skill to develop. Mint is the hallmark of what customers need. And once that need is established, the next step is to make sure customers can actually access it and act on it. Usability is also equally important, which is a lot of products can deliver a tangible benefit, but they're incredibly unintuitive. They lack simplicity. And there's a degree of almost elegance that's required there and just making sure that not only does the product deliver the benefit, but it does it 
in a way that requires you as a customer to have as little time or as little effort as needed so that you can focus on things that you actually care about. And so I think usefulness and usability go hand in hand. It's easy to build something that's useful that's not usable. It's easy to build something that's usable that's not useful. You want to pressure test ideas and concepts. And what, what's interesting to me is oftentimes the best features are actually the simplest ones. And a lot of it's very counterintuitive because a lot of people think that great experiences are complex. Like they require you to go through a journey and like do an activity at this point and then do an action at this point and like just keep going through your product. When in fact, most experiences that are really awesome are just like very fast. They're very simple. They're almost invisible. So you've established that your product is necessary for customers. Regardless of complexity, you've worked to make it as simple and intuitive as possible. You've made the CX seamless and you're anxious for customers to take part in the action. Making a product desirable is an ongoing struggle. When it came to vaccinations, Edward Jenner and the government at the time struggled to convince people that it was desirable. And that's a problem that continues to be tackled today. Fortunately, immunizing yourself against debt isn't quite as unpleasant. And Varun has insights about how to make your product not only desirable, but irresistible. I think the last piece of it is where I, I call it desirability. Things like enjoyment and satisfaction and emotional sentiments and feelings that you can give the user really start to matter. And I think when you think about products that are designed to help people eat their vegetables or do something that may seem not that not that enjoyable, right? Difficult or requiring sacrifice is that you have to basically find ways to create motivation. And I think motivation for me really comes from progress. And I think as you use products like Mint or products that are designed for improvement, you have to be able to take satisfaction and progress. The app is, and the products have to celebrate when you go on streaks. They have to basically understand what your goals are and help you realize that you're making progress toward those goals. They have to forgive you if you fall off track and say, it's okay. It happens to all of us. It's going to happen again. You just got to get back up. And I think this is where desirability can really be achieved if you, especially if you create user experience that is, it's visual, it is personalized, it, it makes you feel like you're working with a product that genuinely cares about you. And from my perspective, the reason I'm proud of Intuit and I'm excited about our move into personal finance is that we really wanted to be more of an equalizer. We wanted to be someone that stood for the consumer. And that's why even products like Mint are agnostic. You can connect any account, any profile, it's completely free. And it is purely designed to basically provide a benefit to the consumer. And as we really think about just how does Mint become a better product, we're focused on those three vectors and continuing to add more features that make it more useful, making those features as simple and easy to process and easy to execute and understand. And then lastly, we started a really big design experience overhaul this past year. And we've done a lot over the years with Mint and Mint users are very particular. And I would say many of our attempts to really evolve the design weren't all that successful because Mint users are very used to using the product a certain way. But with this particular design, we really listened to our customers and we focused on the things that mattered the most. And I'm really excited about the feedback that we're getting. This, the, the, we're seeing a lot of the metrics moving in the right direction and we're getting a lot of customer love for the current Mint app, which is pretty new, just kind of launched in the early part of this year. Useful, usable, and desirable are great goals, but how to actually achieve them? For Varun, one of the most important keys is focus. 
The second thing I think is to have really clear principles around what you are solving for, you know, and we used usable, useful and desirable almost as like a yardstick on which to measure anything that we wanted to do. We would ask ourselves, hey, is this going to make the product more useful or not? And, and if so, why? Is this going to be, become more desirable or less desirable? Is it going to be more usable or less usable? And it forced us to basically whittle down what we started with to like the things that matter the most. And I think that's the, another really important thing. It's very easy for these things to become a lot of different things and things can just balloon in scope. And you have to keep calling it back. You know, it's not like it is, you have to almost keep saying, okay, is it ballooning or not? And how do I keep it narrowly focused? These steps can create a truly great and engaging customer experience. Varun knows because he's done it. But even as he creates an experience that attracts more and more customers, he's always careful not to take his focus off the thing that matters most. Looking forward, especially as we think about a post-COVID era, I think there's an opportunity for us to make a big difference in this space. And I think that's something that I think is it's almost a moral accountability for all companies that are in the fintech space or that are working around banking, personal finance, mortgage, because I think collectively, if we work together, we can make a pretty big difference in the life of the consumer. And I don't think that comes at the cost of success as a business. And I don't think it requires predatory practices. I think that there's a way to basically build and run a very successful financial company and just do good in the world. And so to me, that's a little bit of a call to action for the fintech world. And I'm excited to help into it and the role that we can play in creating a meaningful difference. As CX leaders make their experience as useful, usable, and desirable as possible, it's important to stay laser-focused on what's best for customers. We need to ensure that we're acting in the greater good to help them navigate some of life's most critical challenges. A usable and desirable customer experience that isn't useful won't improve the world. And a useful CX that isn't usable and desirable won't have any impact. By combining these three elements, CX leaders can have a positive impact in their industries and on the world. This is your host, Ben Wilson, head of content at Caspian Studios. Thank you for listening to another episode of Often Imitated. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast was narrated by me, Ben Wilson, and produced by Mackie Wilson and Ezra Backer Trupiano. You can learn more about our team at caspianstudios.com. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experience from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Learn more at oracle.com slash CX.